Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. If you have a Bible with you this evening, would you turn to the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 21. Last week was a little bit of an introduction to what we're going to continue to talk about tonight. If you didn't catch up with last week's message, uh, you can go to tribejh.com and and listen to last week's message. Uh, But for those of you who were here last week, if they're just listening to the podcast, really going to miss out on just like, you know, the real you know, the real spice of what all was going on, but you're just going to have to use your imagination for all that was happening in here last week. And tonight, we're going to continue on in that same stream of what the Lord was downloading to me, and I want to read this verse to you, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible or you don't have your phone, something's wrong with you if you you don't have one or the other. But I went ahead and put this verse up on the screen, and it says this. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Let me read it one more time. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. And as I mentioned last week, I just want to give you just a really quick background on, on where this message came from, or, or series of messages, I believe, ha- has come from. And it came, um, as I was talking with, with Josh Gibson recently this, this summer about getting our tribe groups fired back up for the fall, and we were talking about uh, recruiting host home leaders and tribe group leaders and, and the studies that they were going to do and how we were going to do sign-ups and who's going to sign up and, and all of that. And, and then I went from that conversation out to, into our backyard where we were planting some trees. And I dug a hole. I put the little tree in there. I, I put uh, soil and mulch and put some water on it. And I was watching the water as it was coming out of the hose, trickling down through the dirt and then into kind of the tree well where the tree was had been planted, and the Lord just began to, to speak to me from this verse about how the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord, and he guides it wherever he pleases. And he said, son, in many ways, this water that's coming out of the hose is a lot like tribe. And what I want to do at tribe with the water that's coming out of this hose is like the the culture at Tribe. And there are some things that I want you to talk about to help establish or reaffirm different aspects of the culture here at Tribe. And so uh, I, I broke down this verse. So take a look at this verse. And I broke it down into several really key elements. If you haven't been able to specifically directly connect the dots, I, I want to do that for you tonight. And if you're taking notes, you can, you can write this down. Um, I, I put at the top of my notes tonight's message, uh, the flow of culture week one, we stick together in community. So I want to take Proverbs chapter 21, and I want to break down a, a few key elements of this verse so that as the Lord spoke this to me, I can share it with you and have you begin to connect some dots as well. Are you with me? 
All right, all right. So look at this first, this first part of this verse. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. The first part is the king's heart. Well, as I looked at that verse, the Lord said, the king's heart is like our tribe fam. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. What does the king's heart represent in this verse to us? The king's heart represents our tribe fam. And I said this last week, and it's worth repeating, because when the first person that ever told me this in Proverbs, I was like, oh, that is so cool. I told you last week that if for any of you who are a fan or a student of leadership and you're always trying to grow and, and practice leadership, which is a fantastic muscle to strengthen and a great skill to build, you know that great leaders aren't born, they're made. And that's encouraging for every one of us, especially me. And there's lots of great leadership principles found in a specific book of the Bible called Proverbs. Well, I've never seen any verses about leaders in the book of Proverbs. Well, all you have to do is take out the word king and replace it with the leader. The leader's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. Now, how can we as a tribe fam be leaders? There's a, there's a, there's a great guy movie um, about, uh, about a, a group of Navy SEALs and the, the opening line of this movie, uh, a father is talking to his son and he said, son, there's uh, three kinds of people in this world. There are sheep, there are sheepdogs, and there are wolves. And he was talking about how he had been called to be a, a sheepdog and to protect sheep from wolves. And I like to think of our whole church as a church not full of sheep, but I would love, and then part of the mandate that God has given me is to raise up a whole church of sheep dogs, of shepherds. All of you, all of you have been, has had placed inside of you this seed of leadership. And it's entirely up to you whether you cultivate it or not. And I want to make sure to do my part to help cultivate and raise up that, that seed and pour water on that seed of leadership that's in each and every one of you. Even if you think, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not a leader. I don't know. Did you know that according to statistics, uh, I almost said the Bible says, the, the Bible doesn't say this, but according to Barna Research, they say that the average person over the course of their life directly impacts and, and influences up to 10,000 people over the course of their lifetime. Whether you know it or not, if you, if you do that unintentionally, what if we lived life intentionally, realizing that God has placed something on the inside of me, not just for me, or not just to say, yay, thank you, Lord, but for us to develop and to cultivate and to use and to influence the world around us. And so when it says the king's heart, that's us. That is us. That's our tribe fam. Let's look at the next part. The stream of water. Well, what did the Lord whisper to my heart that that represents? The stream of water represents the culture of tribe. We flow, think about a stream in your mind. It flows this way. It flows that way. If you've ever seen an aerial view of the Snake River, especially here in, the, in this valley, it kind of meanders back and forth. Why does it turn right? Why does it turn left? Why do some churches have a certain culture of one thing and not another? A church's culture is a lot like a stream of water. It flows 
this way and it flows that way. I'm not talking about it, it shifting, but I'm talking about we bend around this and we flow around this. This is a priority. This might not be a priority. This is important. This is not important. These things are stressed. These things are, are de-emphasized. And so the stream of water is like the culture of tribe. And here's the last thing. Guides the stream of water. Okay, what does, what does that look like? What does that mean? What does that represent? The, the guides the path of water is what he, the Lord, wants to build into our hearts. Is anybody connecting any dots here? Are, are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, so one of you. All right. So just let me know who you are. You and I are tracking. Huh? Jan Q got it. Okay, Jan, thank you. Now I'm going to preach to Jan. And if you're not following, just get with her at the end of service and she will, she will catch you up. The king's heart is like our tribe fam. The stream of water is the culture of tribe. And in that phrase where it says, guides the stream of water, that is what the Lord wants to build into our hearts. We didn't sit around with our leadership team and say, hmm, now what would be really awesome? That, that really wasn't, wasn't up to us as a leadership team. It wasn't us to, as a board of trustees. It wasn't up to, to us as a board uh, of elders. It was as tribe came into being, there are four kind of, uh, how, should I, how should I say it? There are four pillars, four cornerstones, four foundation stones that God really wanted us to, to emphasize. And one of those is connecting through community. So that's a part of our culture and a part of our, our DNA here at Tribe. So if a stream of water is the culture of Tribe, water will flow downhill, taking the path of least resistance, following the course that you make for it. How many of you have ever sat at the beach and, and scooped, water with your, scooped water with your sand? <laughs> scooped, thank you. Somebody's with me. Now it's shifted from Jan over here to Chris. It's a moving target. How many of you have ever scooped sand with your hand and had the water flow into it? Maybe at the beach or like in a stream. Raise your hand. We've all, we've all done that, right? And if you, as long as you're going downhill, that's where the water is going to flow, you can take your hand and you can scoop it this way, you can scoop it this way, and that water will just follow right through there. And that is what we're doing here at Tribe. Now, the question arises, who digs the channel? Who digs the, who's responsible to dig the channel? If we're receiving instruction and guidance from the Lord, I want the water to go this way, I want the water to go this way, I want the water to go this way. Who's, who takes that and says, yes, sir, I'm on it. Puts their gloves on, I need gloves so I don't get the blisties grabs the pickaxe and the shovel and goes to work. Who does that? Okay. I heard a few different answers. Me was one answer. Us was another answer. Maybe somebody thought, well, the Lord. Doesn't, doesn't the Lord do that? So the Lord gives us the blueprint. But it's up to us to dig down. I've been a part of... of several churches where Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, the pastor is up there on stage and he, you, you, now I'm not coming after you, I'm not coming down on you, but you literally watch him break a sweat 
and toil until his back aches by just trying to dig a certain aspect of culture and he digs and he digs and you just, and you just sit there. Now, I know that's none of y'all, but have you ever been a part of a church where you, you've seen that kind of thing going on? The only person setting and shaping culture is just the, the, the lead pastor himself and he is just, I mean, I've seen, I've seen churches kill their pastor or put him, almost put him out of commission because they think that it's just the pastor's job to, to do all of that. That's not how we roll at Tribe. This is a team effort. This is a team sport. We're in this together. And so I might receive the instruction from, from the Lord as to where we're going with culture. And I may say, guys, here's what I feel like God is calling us to do. And I take the spray paint can, the environmental friendly, biodegradable paint, okay? And, and say, we're going this way, we're going this way. I'm gonna do my part to pick up a shovel, but don't you dare let me be the only one digging that trench. Does that make sense? We're in this together. That's why I want to take time. I'm not just going to assume that you know what our culture is and, and where God wants us to go and then get mad at you for not like jumping in the game and, and picking up your shovel and doing your part. I'm not going to get mad at you, but I am going to do my part to, to help explain to you and help share with you where God is calling us and how he wants us to roll to fulfill the mission of tribe. And then I want to invite you. It would be a... To, to, to jump in and, and carry on the work, it would be a real bummer if I never, if I had an expectation of you to dig but never spoke it. That'd be a bummer, right? It would be a real bummer if I had an expectation of you to join with the preacher up here on the stage doing the work, but then I also never gave you tools. I want to share it with you. I want to give you the tools and I want to get in there with you. We're going to, we want to do this together. I remember years ago, uh, right after the hurricane went through Haiti, uh, I led a team of teenagers down to Haiti to do some relief work. And I don't think I have ever been in a more humid country in my entire life. Like you step off the plane and the humidity was like, pap, 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 just slap you all around a little bit. And we were, we were, so the, they had these tin structures with a little gravel sidewalk that, that, so the roof sloped this way. So the, 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 the water would drain off the roof and it would kind of come down in between these two buildings. And there was a, a walkway there and it was, you know, it was great in the monsoon season if you hadn't had a shower because you just walk along there and you just get completely soaked. But with all of that rain, it had washed things out. And so what they asked us, one of the things that they asked us to do was to dig a big, long trench and then lay in some, some pipe that, would, uh, that was perforated pipe so that the water would collect and then drain out. And then they filled it with crushed gravel and rock. And we were digging these trenches and it was myself and uh, our team and we had a, a bunch of girls and, and uh, on the trip and, and you know like if you're like if you've ever been on a mission trip and you're a girl like you got to wear like the missionary dress right like the dress that you would never ever wear any other time in your whole life but like well I'm going on a mission trip so I need that that big long skirt 
So here these girls are. They've got gloves on. They're sweating to death. They've got their little sleeves rolled up, and they're, they're digging this trench. And as they were digging, it was quite a sight and a, and a spectacle to the locals. And at one point, I noticed that there were at least half a dozen big, strong guys just standing in the shade of a banana tree, just watching these girls dig a trench. It was not my place to encourage them to join in the work. And we were there to, to, to serve those people and that country, but that picture left an indelible mark on my mind. And I don't want to ever, ever, ever repeat that same scenario with our church. Are you all with me? We're all in this together. And if you're like, give me a shovel, I'm ready to jump in, where do I jump in? Oh, you can always come to me, ask me, where can I, where can I, jump, where can I jump in? Where can I get involved? Uh, and, and I'm going to be there. You need a water break? I totally understand. But we're doing this as a team sport. And, and the channel that I want to focus on tonight, the trench that I want to begin to cut tonight, is just one word community. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Community. Community is a very important cultural channel here at Tribe. It's so important. It's a part of our mission statement, connecting through community. So we've got four, four main foundation stones of our, mission, of our mission statement. It is building strong families, connecting through community, developing servant leaders, and making disciples that will change the world. And if you're not into any of those, that's our, <laughs> it's about three things. If those, if, if none of those three things float your, float your boat, then tribe might not float your boat, right? Because we, we always want to come back to these, to these four things and everything, everything that we do. And what we're going to talk about specifically tonight is Community. And for a few moments, I want to take you in a time machine with me, and we're going to go back about 2,000 years in history. We're going to go back all the way to the foundations of the early church. I want to read, I've got one, two, three, four, five verses that I want to share with you really quickly to help kind of paint a picture for, for what's happening in the early church. And then look at it and compare and contrast what, what is the church today look like. And so the first verse that I want to, the first place that I want to take you to in our time machine is Acts chapter two. So open up to Acts chapter two. This is, a, it's a little bit, it's a few verses. It's more than I could put on the screen. So go ahead and get out your, your phone and, and look up Acts chapter two. And remember, while you're turning to Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 42. And remember, we're going, in a, we're going on a time machine together. We're going to get in this time machine. We're going to set the dial back about 2,000 years ago. The, our first stop is going to be in Jerusalem. And we're going to get a glimpse of what the early church was doing, what they looked like. Beginning in verse 42, it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. So if you're taking notes, write that one down. Here's the next place that I want us to go. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. You can just write these down. It's a lot unless you have really fast fingers or the Wi-Fi signal is really good. If it's not, just write these down and you can come right back to them. Romans chapter 16, verses 3 and 5. This is the last part of the uh, letter to the church in Rome. Paul is speaking and he says this, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm so thankful to them. And so were all of the Gentile churches. It's an interesting word, underline that. Verse 5, Also give my greetings to the church that meets, where? In their home. All right, here we go, kind of on this whirlwind tour on our time machine. Uh, Another place I'd like you to turn is uh, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. So hang a right. And in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, Paul is speaking again and he says this, Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets at her, where? At her house. Hmm. Last, last one, last one. I had another one, but we'll just do this last one. Acts chapter 19. Go back to Acts. So hang a left. Go back to Acts chapter 19. You can write it down and come back and read it in just a minute. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. So this is in Ephesus. The verse starts with, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of context, like, wait, where is he, where is he as he goes to the synagogue to preach boldly? He's in the city of Ephesus. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, as we take this time machine back to the early church, we could spend weeks and weeks teasing out all of the different principles and and the traits, but I just want to highlight with you tonight, just a few of the different traits that I want to make mention of that we see in the early church. It's the first one. The first one is this. The community of believers met regularly. Not occasionally, not when the need arose, but regularly. At the early, early church, says that they would meet every single day. How many of y'all would like to have church every day? You're good. You're good. <laughs> they also met, they met in public places. They would meet at the temple of Jerusalem. And then look at in, in Acts chapter 19, it says that 
Paul said that he held daily lectures in the hall of Tyrannus. So they met in, they met in public places. They had corporate times to get together. Here's the other thing, is they also met regularly in people's homes. If Paul were standing here today, would Paul, I'm just posing this question, would Paul look at this, all that's happening here, and would he say that, that this is the church? I think he would definitely see strong elements of, yep, this is what we were doing back then. We've been doing it for 2,000 years. But one of his questions, as you can see in just these few passages, you can do a, look through all the epistles of Paul. Look how many times he refers to the church that meets in so-and-so's home over and over and over again. So if Paul were standing here today, it's like we're in like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We've gone back in time. We're going to grab Paul and like bring him here to San Dimas High School. Okay, one person's with me. Thanks, Carl. Paul, one of the questions that Paul would ask is, okay, so you guys are doing this. That's great. What about the church that meets in your home? What are you guys doing together as a community in people's homes? When I talk about the culture at Tribe, really, I'm just thinking about that, that, that Bible verse where Jesus says, on earth as in heaven. These are just the culture traits of heaven. And so I see... This idea of church, meeting corporately like this, but also meeting in people's homes. There was a community of people that met regularly in people's homes. They shared life together. And specifically, they shared meals together. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a tribe group leader, they're like, oh, great, I got to have like a crock pot full of little smokies again next week. Like, <laughs> I mean, that might get me to your tribe group. I'll tell you what, what won't get me to your tribe group, and we actually had this as a meal at a, at a tribe group one time. <laughs> yeah, I, well, hey. It was a canned jar of elk meat, which itself is great. I mean, hey, that's great. She canned it herself, but like that was like what was like, I mean, it was just the jar, funk on the table. Liz is like, they don't go here. Share a meal together. Brian, Brian, there's something about sharing a meal together. We know that in our culture, but especially if you've ever spent any time in a Middle Eastern culture, sharing a meal together is a really, really big deal. Look about, look all, all through the Bible. Um, these two angels came to to Abraham. And the first thing he does is like, hey, let me, let me make dinner for you. It's one thing if you say, let me make dinner for you. It's another thing if I overhear you say, now go kill the goat. Like, well, you don't even have like, it's not even started. <laughs> Brian. So they would eat together all the time. Lisa and I, uh, we, led a, we led another mission trip to, to Egypt. And we would go and speak at these different churches as, as part of the trip. And uh, another part of the trip, we were uh, leading a youth camp. And any church that we went to, you remember this? Any church that we went to, either before we got up and did ministry or after we got up and did ministry, we always had to have a meal with 
our hosts. And Lissa had been living on a steady diet of like cliff bars and being really safe. And I was like, I'd roll the dice every time. Yeah, I'll take some more of that. I mean, I paid for it once. But they would always introduce us and they would say, come, come, sit down and sit down. And, and we'd have to sit down and, and, you know, us Americans, we're on a really tight schedule, right? Like, uh, doesn't the service start in like five minutes? And you could hear the church full of people, but here we were like having a meal with, with the pastor and just taking our time. And, and it, just, it just worked out there in Egypt. And if not before this service, then, then after the service, you had to have it. And we're just tired. We're exhausted. And now we got to sit down and, and have this meal. But having a meal in the Middle Eastern culture with people is, is a very intimate thing. And think about just literally how they eat. And, and we, see, we get a glimpse of this at, at the Last Supper with Jesus, right? It's, uh, Lord, who is going to betray you? It's the person in, who, whose hand is sharing the same dish of, like, stew. And so a lot of times you tear off a piece of flatbread, and, and you don't want to know how they make the flatbread in Cairo because uh, you'll lose your appetite. But, they, but I'm going to tell you. So they make this flatbread, and it, it's really tasty. But after they make it, because they're, they're making a lot of it, that's like their forks and spoons uh, for, for many people over there. So they'd make the bread, they would bake it, and then before it would cool and then be stacked and go off to the, they would just lay it all on the sidewalk. All the bread would, would cool off on the sidewalk. So you're walking down the sidewalk, and you're like, oh, there's a, about a block of bread. You just pass it and, and keep on going. They swept first. But that's where the bread was. And so at a meal, you would tear off a piece of bread and you would dip it into the pot of whatever was being served and you would eat that together. And, and a meal was a very intimate thing. And so the early church made a point of not only meeting regularly, corporately, but they met regularly in people's homes. And a part of that was sharing meals together. I'm not saying that you have to have food at your tribe group, but what I'm saying is there needs to be an element of sharing. Not only did they share in meals together, but they shared their possessions. And I talk about three things a lot. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. They would share their, they would make time for each other. They would share their talents with, with one another, even if it meant bringing a I mean this honestly, a very tasty mason jar full of elk meat. It was really tasty. And they would share their treasures, whether, whether it's their finances, and you can read about you know, all through the New Testament, that they would receive collections to take back to Jerusalem or to distribute to the poor. And we're going to talk about this specifically as one of the streams of culture, but um, there's, a, there's, there's a, a young man here at Tribe that is down in our Tribe Kids a children's ministry environment, and he, he might be digging the trench of generosity and giving harder and faster and deeper than any one of us grown-ups here in, in this room. As a, I heard this story recently. As a family was getting ready to come to tribe in the evening, and, um, and this little boy is grabbing a fistful of money, and he's shoving it in, in his pocket, and I think it was, you know, maybe $4 and change. And the dad was like, hey, son, well, what are you doing with that? And he's like, oh, I, I've got I've to give this to tribe. And he's like, well, what's that for? And he's like, this money is for a permanent location for tribe someday. 
How cool is that? He's digging, he's digging really deep. We got a ways to go with our generosity to, to catch up to him. And his dad said, well, I mean, I could like trade that out for like a $5 bill and it'll be easy and it won't weigh your britches down. He's like, no, I want this money. I want this money to go to tribe's permanent home that we'll move into someday. And so they, they share their time, their talent, and their treasure. And here's the last thing. They also share in the work of the gospel. The Bible says that numbers were added daily to their community of believers. The first channel that I want us to dig together is this idea of community, that we stick together as a community. And it fits right along with the theme that the Lord gave us. The theme that the Lord gave us for this year was simply one word, connect. And he wanted us to connect with him. He wanted us to connect with each other, community. And he wanted us to connect with this community. You guys blew me away this past week uh, at, the, at the Upton Memorial Service. Our, our phones were, were inundated with text messages. What can we do? What can we do for our brothers and sisters? People that you don't even know, another church across town, which in this town is not that far, but it's more dramatic to say it way, all the way across town. You just wanted to serve and you wanted to give and... and tribe, we, we helped out uh, Ray and First B and the Upton family by we just offered to, to help facilitate parking and if you were at that memorial service you saw, I mean it was just flooded with people. 700 people plus from the community turned out and watched Ray and all of First B do an amazing job. They were a pillar of strength. He provided answers, encouragement and most importantly, shared the good news of the gospel. So we, we connect with the Lord, with each other, and with this community. As we begin to land the plane this evening, I just want to, I wrote this question down in my notes. How do we stick together at Tribe? So if we're digging this channel, what, what, let's be specific, Brian. All right. Number one, we suit up for the game every week. At first, I put in my notes, we attend service every week, but I don't want people just attending service. And if you're visiting and you have another church home, don't you dare just attend that church. I wrote it in my notes and I crossed it out because attending, attending a church really only requires you to have a pulse and it doesn't even have to be that strong. But I don't want, I don't want people, I don't wanna raise people that are good at going to the church. I want people that are awesome at being the church. Do I need to say that again? No, you got it, you got it, you got it. Let's not be good at going to church. Let's be awesome at being the church. How do we stick together at Tribe? You suit up for the game every week here at Tribe. Whether you're volunteering, whether you're actively participating in in worship, whether you see a a cup in the parking lot and you scoop this up, you, you suit up. This is your team. This is the, 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 the game every week. We're not playing games, but y'all know what I mean? We got a big game every week that we suit up for and we show up for. And we're gonna talk more about the importance of the church in, a, in an upcoming message. You join a tribe group. 
now, but they might serve like a jar of elk meat. Hey, they might. They might, but I'm just warning you right now. And if you're like, yeah, but I don't know about new people, and I don't know, like, like what if I, you know, do something dumb? I, pro- I promise you, you will not do anything as dumb as what I've done when I first went to a tribe group. It was a tribe group that uh, Karen and Chris Lundy were leading, and we were all there at, at the host home, and I was, you know, everything was going great. And, you know, here I am, like the pastor, and I'm like, hey, could you excuse me real quick? I'm just going to run back to the bathroom. So I'm there in the bathroom. I'm afraid of where this is going. A long story short, it's with, by some sort of like, yeah, gymnastics move, I ripped the potty seat off the toilet. <laughs> so if you're worried about doing something foolish or dumb or what. Just think of Pastor Brian. How many of you else have accidentally ripped a toilet seat off? None of you have. And I did it at a tribe group. So I just went ahead and did the most. I mean, I walked out with. I walked. Guys, I went ahead. Right? Remember, I'm the leader here. I went ahead and did the, the most embarrassing possible thing that, that you could at a tribe group. So, so don't worry. There's nothing that you can do or say that would be worse than ripping the toilet seat up. So join a tribe group. <laughs> Check the potties first. Host homes, that's on the checklist. Number, number, number two, uh, tribe men's night. One of the things that, that I, I noticed at First B this past week, and if you were at the memorial service, man, they have got a strong core of men at that church, don't they? I mean, I was envious at the caliber and the quality of men that, that were a part of that church. And it was, also, it was also encouraging to me because I can look around and I see so many men that are part of this tribe fam that, that have that same caliber. And how, how does this apply to, to women? Well, trust me, if you have men at your church that are running hard after God, we're the ones that are blazing the trail and doing the hard work of creating this culture to make it easier for you. And so the, the men that, that I saw we're just awesome. And you know what? It also says a lot about the pastor. You can tell a lot about a pastor by the men that he surrounds himself with, their caliber, and, and how they live their lives. And if someone were to judge me as a pastor by the caliber of men that come to this church, y'all make me look really good. Here's a, the next thing. There's a difference between solitude and isolation. Solitude's a great thing. We all need to unplug, get away, get our batteries recharged, do what we need to do to get centered, to get right with the Lord, to get our priorities reestablished. But too much solitude can lead to isolation. And isolation is a very, extremely unhealthy thing. One of the reasons why it's unhealthy is because if you're spending a lot of time in isolation, other people don't necessarily know that. 
And so as you get off into the weeds, nobody knows that you're off into the weeds until something big, awful, tragic happens. This is the last verse that I'm going to share. It's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good pay for their work. For if one of them falls, the other can help him up. But it's hard for the one who falls when there is no one to lift him up. And if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? One man is able to have power over him who is alone. But one man is not able to over... One man is able to have power. He gets overpowered alone. But two can stand against him. And it's not easy to break a rope made of three cords. We're going to do tribe as a community. Whether it's outreach events, whether it's serving together, whether it's in tribe groups. That's just a part of our culture. If you don't like other people, well, it's probably you. Is it too honest? But listen what happens. When you do life together, when you do life and you walk out this thing called faith as a community, synergy happens. There's this weird thing, synergy. It's this weird thing when you take one plus one and you get three. That's, that's the definition of synergy. And when we come together as a faith community, synergy happens. There are people to help you when you're down. You receive strength from other people. And you're able to fend off any attack of the enemy. Then this is the last thing I wrote in my notes. Um, Maybe right now you are in a season where you are either physically, emotionally, or spiritually feeling very alone. I know that can be rough. I know that that's not easy. Would you close your eyes for just a second? Let's uh, see if this message can make the 18-inch drop from our thinker down to our knower, from our head down to our heart. And this is the most important part of the, the, the whole message right here at the end. The Lord, I feel like the Lord wanted me to specifically address to anyone in here if they're feeling alone, isolated, or abandoned. Man, I know that that is a rough, rough place to be in. The answer is to your loneliness. The answer is community. But not a hands in your pocket, sit back and wait for somebody to come and be your friend, for community to find you. But there's your part is required to being willing to step into community. And I know that there's risk involved. Why don't you start by taking that step back into fellowship with the Lord. You get that aspect of community right and all of these other aspects of community will fall into place. 
And so let me just ask before I pray for you all this evening, let me just ask really quickly, uh, because nobody's looking around. It's just you and me for just a moment. If there's anybody in here that just feels like they've just been wrestling with isolation or loneliness, feeling like they don't have a tribe or community, and they just feel really alone. I want to pray for you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. Would you just slip your hand up so that I can see it? Because I want to pray for you. Leave it there for just a second, because nobody's looking around. I hear you. If I could just grab you in my arms and hold you, I would as a a good dad. My heart breaks, and I can't imagine how your heavenly Father's heart breaks. He has fellowship for you. He has community for you. He has purpose and belonging for you. He's inviting you to step into that place of fellowship with Him. So, Father, I pray for our tribe fam in here tonight that you've given me the blueprint of digging this first channel of community and I've started to do that tonight but Lord I just ask for your supernatural power to be able to take this message and cause it to resonate deep within the hearts of all of our tribe family that they would begin to not just passively say yeah yeah community but they would embrace it and they would grab a hold of it and they would say I want to do my part to help dig that channel and Father I specifically pray for those people who raise their hands who are feeling isolated and alone and lonely Father will you meet with them will you meet with them prayer, uh, I want you to look up here because the Lord just, I feel like he just gave me a picture that I want to share with you, but I need i need a little bit of help. Um, I need uh, Matt and Aaron uh, and Corey and Joe, would y'all come up here? And Kai Hunter, would you come up here? Uh, you guys come here and stand on the stage. The biggest, handsomest, earliest. Now, Kai, come here. Okay, uh, Kai, you stand right here. Now watch. So if I, if like, you know, he was not my son and he was just like a guy, you guys were all friends. And I, and I walked up, and I walked up to, to this guy. And what would your reaction be if I started to say to him, you are such a loser. You're a jerk. <laughs> okay, exactly right. Exactly right. The enemy is not a fool. Let me show you what the enemy does. He goes, hey, come here. Come here. He gets us alone. And he goes, you know what a loser you are? You are, you, you mess up in every day, every day, every day. Where's his band of brothers to, to lend their strength and to protect him? The enemy doesn't pick a dumb fight because if I if the enemy tried that when he's surrounded in community and fellowship the enemy's going to lose 100% of the time 
So his tactic is to just draw you away. He'll do that with, oh, his schedule is so busy. He'll do that with, oh, a million things. You probably got a good list in your mind. Oh, I got to get all this stuff done. Oh, this week's going to be crazy. Or, oh, last week is crazy. Oh, I'm about to go on a trip. Oh, I just got back from a trip, right? And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. If you go on a trip, the devil's going to get you. (laughs) Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. How many of you can, you resonate with this picture of his tactic? Raise your hand. That should be every single one of our hands. All right? When we see one of our brothers or, or sisters getting drawed off, we got to go and, and, and rescue them. Thank you, thank you. You are not a loser. You are a winner. You succeed at everything you do. You're a champion. 